Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of Pull Up a Stump, Surviving and Thriving Life Nowadays. I'm your host, Cassie, and I thought that this week, especially because I missed last week, um, we would do a little life update as well as kind of talk about something that I experienced in this past, like, two weeks and how I kind of got through it. So, if you are new here, then just know that I was pregnant and I am no longer pregnant. Um, and then if you are a returning viewer, then you obviously know that I was um, cooking a baby boy and he is now Earthside. So that's kind of like the big update that's gone on lately, the most kind of dramatic one in a way. Um, so yeah, I just kind of wanted to like chat about that, share my crazy birth story. So like, like complete opposite of, in a way, like my daughter's birth. So I'll give you like a little rundown. Um, my daughter's birth, she was born November 17th, 2019. And she was my first baby. And it was like fast and furious. She came like a bat out of hell. Um, it was like a five and a half hour start to finish, like from the first contraction to her coming out of my hoo-ha, um, like a five and a half hour labor, um, very, very fast, like 12 minutes of pushing and bam, there was Quinn. She was healthy as can be. Um, perfectly like little sized baby, not a thing wrong with her. Um, and she was a beautiful little baby. Now, <clears throat> this boy, he put up a bit of a fight. So <laughs> it was just nuts. Like, it's just crazy when you think about childbirth, okay? And like pregnancy, like it's all the same process, you know, sperm implants an egg, builds a baby. And like, you know, women, some women, most women, however, you know, it works. Like it's all, it's all the same process, you know, so it's been the same process since the time, the start of time. But it's crazy how like different each pregnancy can be and birth can be like Quinn's pregnancy, you know, for the most part, pretty freaking easy. Like barely, I gained like 22 pounds her entire pregnancy. Like I moved a house at like eight months pregnant. Like it was just, <clears throat> I barely knew I was pregnant most days. Except for, like, in the beginning, I had really bad um, morning sickness, but, like, pretty normal, you know? And then this guy, this baby, he was... I knew I was pregnant. I hated pregnancy. With Quinn, I actually didn't mind pregnancy whatsoever, um, you know, besides, like, the odd day here and there. Um, but then with this baby boy, like, good Lord, I hated being pregnant. Like, I hated it. Um, it was torture every day. My ankles, you know, were blown up. My body felt like it was going to break. My spine felt like I needed to rip it out of my body. My hips felt like they were going to shatter. I had zero energy, like just fucking brutal. Like I hated it. And like the entire time I was just like, I never am going to get pregnant again. Like I, <laughs> I'm over it. Um, and then, yeah, like his birth. So I had to go in and get induced, um, which I, Quinn was like right on her due date started to come and you know, no induction. So this guy, I had to get induced 
And, you know, the beginning of the induction, I got first induced at like 11 and it was like two o'clock and nothing had happened. I had had the, the Pitocin or Oxytocin or whatever, sorry, um, in me for like that long. Not a thing was happening. I was like walking around the room, I was like doing laps, all this stuff and not a thing. Then the doctor comes in, she breaks my water and that was, that was an experience because with Quinn my water broke on the table in the hospital in labor. Like I was like groaning through a contraction and it was like, and there was my water. So with this guy, she comes in and breaks it. And like, I'm not even joking. You like flooded the fucking table. Like it disgusting. It was so much water. Even the doctor was like, Whoa, I was not expecting that much water. Um, and yeah, she's like, I was, I was not expecting that much water to come out. And like previously, cause she had to check me, I had my fists under my back. And so I was like sitting there with my hands under my back still when she broke it. And like, I'm not even joking. My hands were like underwater to the point where I was like, can I pull my hands out? Cause I had an IV in my hand. I didn't want that shit to get all fucked up. And so I was like, oh my God, like this is, it was nuts. So she induces me and like basically immediately my contractions started like, whoa, like it was just brutal, like brutal, brutal, brutal. And, uh, I was like in so much pain. And of course, like I always had the game plan. So like going into like basically anything, I kind of have like a lax plan and then I'm like, well, if things go a different way, I'm okay with it. So that was how I kind of went into labor. I'm like, I want to go in natural. Um, I want to go in natural because with Quinn, like with my first baby, I was a hundred percent natural. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to go in natural. If my body decides that this is too much, like I'm okay with an epidural, blah, blah, blah. But I would rather take that as a last case scenario. So give me the gas as like a time being. So here I am, the contractions are going like crazy and they were like, I didn't even have a break in between them. Like as soon as one would end, the next one would start. And then the next one, I ha I did not have a break. And so I'm like huffing on this gas and eventually I give out. Like, I'm like, no, I need the epidural, like give it to me now. So the doctor comes in, gives me the epidural and it doesn't do anything like nothing. Um, so then I'm like sitting there and as soon as he gives me the epidural, I'm like going into another contraction and he's like, is it any better? And I'm like, no, like it doesn't feel like anything. And then literally like that guy leaves, the guy who gave me the epidural leaves. And then just my doctors in the room and some nurses and this other contraction comes. And I was literally like, oh fuck. And my doctor's like, mm, let's check you. Like that's how, you know? And then she checks me and she's like, oh, that's why it's not working because the baby is right there literally so she the the epidural didn't even have time to like do anything if it even was gonna do anything so she's like yep there it is so scoot on down throw your legs up in the stirrups and you gotta push she's like on the next one push and I'm like holy fuck so I'm there I'm pushing I'm pushing there was a total of like nine pushes um and then baby boy start like was there eventually but he actually ended up getting stuck so his head got stuck first and then that actually cut off the blood supply to his, like the rest of his body and to his head and that. So when he came out, he was like purple. Um, and his eyes, even now, like he's 
like the whites of his eyes are all bloodshot and red because um, it looks like he got into like a brawl. That's getting better though. But um, and then so sh the doctor gets his head unstuck and then his shoulder gets stuck. And then as his shoulder was stuck, um, I like ran out of gas. And so I had to stop pushing for a second. And I guess he started to like go back in. And so immediately a nurse literally jumps on top of the table, like full on on top of me and is just pushing and pushing on the, on my stomach, like trying to get him to not go back in. Meanwhile, the doctor jumps on the table, but at like the foot of the table and she's like then yelling at her assistant to be like, hold my back, hold my back because she needed like the pressure against herself. And so then she's starting to like just freaking ream on him to get him out. And like, I think that like she explained later in the panic more or less was because the blood, like he was stuck, his head was stuck. So the blood was not returning to his body and that. And if that's, if that happens for like longer than a minute, you, they can sustain brain damage. So it was like very much kind of an emergency situation to like get him out now. So, you know, that last round of pushing comes and she's like, just go for it. And push, 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 oh, comes baby boy. Immediately, like what this kind of sucked because I wanted to keep like, it's called delayed cord clamping. Um, where, you know, they leave the cord attached for a bit and like the placenta kind of pumps out like the rest of the nutrients. It's normally like a minute, maybe two, and then you can cut the cord. The placenta is like delivered all the nutrients it can. Um, and you're good to go. I wanted to do that with the, with him. I asked the doctor about it before we even went in. She's like, yeah, but because of the emergency situation, we had to cut it right away and get him on the table and start like getting him breathing, um, and getting him back to go. So that didn't happen. So they got him out, cut the cord threw him on the table and I was laying there and there was not a sound. And I just remember like, I'm like, is he okay? Is he okay? Is he okay? There was no sound, no sound, no sound. At this point I was not even crying or anything. And then it was like probably like a minute before. And then all of a sudden he started to cry. I immediately broke down crying, like just bawling. Best sound in the world to hear your baby cry, especially after like a situation like that. Like when I had Quinn, she came out and like she just got put on my chest all like it was like the fairy tale, like picturesque birth, you know, gets put on my chest. We cuddle, the delayed cord clamping happens, blah, blah, blah. It was all like peaceful. This guy, like I'm sitting there like, is my baby dead? And then keep in mind, he was he, he is a, a rainbow baby. So there is that kind of extra fear. So yeah, he comes out, blah, blah, blah. He starts breathing. They do the whole check on him and he is nine pounds, six ounces. Like no wonder that big old chonky boy got stuck. Like, whoa, uh, my daughter was seven pounds, six ounces. So he was, he's exactly two pounds heavier than my daughter. Um, and she was 19 inches and he was almost 23 inches. <laughs> so he was a lot bigger. So, I mean, it makes sense why he got stuck and, and all that. Um, and if they didn't know he was going to be that big, um, or else they probably would have done a C-section, but, um, yeah, he was just a big, big boy. Um, so after that, you know, everything was fine. He got to come on my chest and like, just lay there and snuggle with me for a minute or two. Um, and then some other things happened and we're not going to get into, uh, that because, you know, I'm not going to tell my child's like medical history or anything on, uh, the open wide web, but you know, other things happen in blah, blah, blah. So, um, then 
Um, he had to spend, so we spent a week in the NICU after that. We got, we got pushed over to postpartum. Um, and then they did like one more check on him and they were like, no, he needs to go into the NICU. So we were in the NICU for a week, um, after I gave birth and okay. So this is kind of like where we're going to dive in to what I was talking about, about like PTSD and stuff like that. So, okay. As you guys... Obviously, okay, I'm not allowed to talk about things as much as I want to talk about things. Uh, you know, legal battles and lawyers and just um, attempting to, I wouldn't even say mend a relationship because it's unmendable at this point, um, but just um, mind my tongue a bit. So anyway, um, but you guys are kind of aware of a sticky situation I've been in with my daughter and... You know, I haven't actually physically seen her for like a year and a half because of her being um, denied contact with me. I can say that. I've been told that. Um, been denied contact with me from um, people. So, you know, I, I knew like even when I was pregnant with my son, I knew because I was in therapy this whole year, right? And so we, we, I talked about it lots with my therapist and I knew that I was going to have, and I was even experiencing while I was pregnant, I knew there was going to be some issues with me. Like I, at first, like, I, for example, like I was really afraid. Um, like I was, I was really afraid that I wasn't going to be able to connect with my son or bond with my son when he was out because of the trauma I've sustained in regards to my situation with my daughter. And I thought, I thought I was going to struggle. I was very fearful while I was pregnant that I was going to struggle with connecting with him because I would be constantly looking at him as my daughter who I'm like longing for and knowing that it's not her. And so being like, no, I want things fixed with my daughter before I can like love on you, you know? Um, so that was like one of the things that I knew I was battling. And then as well, like I was scared that I was not going to be able to love my son to the full capacity because I, because I do still to this day harbor a lot of guilt in regards to like what happened with my daughter. Um, and so in a way, like I know that I didn't do this, but I mean, it's always like, I, I don't even know how to explain it because it's like in my mind, I know that this is not a true feeling for me, but in a way, like I do feel it. So guilt that like, like he's like replacing my daughter, but that was like never the, never the case. Um, but I don't know. So I was always very, very fearful that like, yeah, I wouldn't be able to bond with him because I harbor so much guilt and feeling like he, like I made him to replace my daughter when that is the farthest thing of, from the truth. Um, never once in this whole past year and a half of being denied contact with my daughter, has she not played a top one role in every single one of my decisions? Like even so much as like choosing the house, like it was, is there enough bedrooms for Quinn and a baby? You know, like it, she's always been in every single decision I've ever made, even though I've not, even though she's not in my physical life, um, right now. 
So like I knew that that was not the case for me, but you know, whatever. So I harbored a lot of guilt. So frick, where was I going with this? So, um, I, where was I going with this? Good Lord. So, um, anyway, so I like had a, a big feeling like when he came out, um, that I knew that there was going to be like some, some struggles, uh, for me. And, you know, I had some kind of preconceived ideas of what those struggles were going to be. I just kind of guessed that this was going to be my biggest struggle, blah, blah, blah. Like I had mentioned before, um, or just right now, but, um, I didn't quite realize how like, um, specific the issues I would be having would be. So as you guys know, I've told you guys in the past and I've mentioned it on my social media. So, um, this past year I was officially diagnosed, um, or diagnosed, I don't know if that's the right word, but I, uh, this past year I was officially diagnosed with PTSD from my therapist and I didn't quite realize, yeah, how specific those, um, that PTSD was for me when I would give birth to my son. So for example, you know, trusting someone else with him, um, even right down to the nurses or like his father is really triggering a PTSD response in me because I gave my daughter to someone or like I left her, which was only supposed to be for like a week. I left her with someone who I was supposed to trust with her with. And then now it's been a year and a half and I'm only now just seeing her next month. So definitely, um, I didn't, you know, I, I knew it was going to be an issue, but it is a real freaking issue. Like, um, even in like the NICU, trusting him with like the doctors and the nurses. And I'm like, these people, this is, this is their job. Like you can trust them. Um, but like physically letting go of my son and letting someone else take him, um, somewhere or like do something to him or even like with his dad since we've been home. I mean, it's a little different, I think, because like this is his dad's first baby and like his dad's just fucking clueless when it comes to like most people are, but just clueless when it comes to like how to take care of a kid. I mean, the guy can barely take care of himself most days. So, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff there where, um, yeah, like trusting that I can, like my baby can be out of sight from me. Um, and like, he'll be okay. Or like, he'll like, he'll be there when I get back. Um, yeah, that's been really, really hard. And you know, it's something that I'll discuss with my therapist a bit more, but, um, I did over the past year learn quite a few therapy tips and tricks. Obviously I've been in it for a freaking year. So, um, about how to, deal with that kind of stuff. So one of the things that my therapist told me about me is that I live in the black and the white. I very rarely live in the gray. Um, I'm either, I'm like one opposite or the other. I either think that this is like the worst fucking thing or like, I don't care at all. Or like, I either am like so emotionally charged or like I'm completely detached or like I love you like so fucking much or like, I don't care if you fall into a manhole. Like I'm just, I'm very black and white. And so when it comes to like assessing like an emotional situation, um, yeah, when it comes to like assessing an emotional situation and living in the black and the white and not in the gray, you 
tend to, like the gray is where the um, functional thinking happens, where we start to come up with solutions and um, actually like resolutions to our issues. Whereas black and white is like, holy fuck, the world is ending or like, oh my God, I don't really give two flying fucks what's going on. So coming and like being able to start to think in the gray is how we um, kind of dial ourselves back from PTSD responses or like anxiety or depression and stuff like that. So <clears throat> how do you like, sorry, I got to drink some water here. Oh, um, so how do you get yourself into the gray, you know? So like what she kind of taught me and what I've learned from my therapist is that, um, you know, kind of either, either actually physically write it down, either in a notebook or your phone or just like in your brain, think about, so this is the situation, right? I'm, I'm scared. I'm having an, I'm having a reaction because I'm scared that I'm going to give my baby to like the dad or the nurse and I'm never going to see my baby again. Okay. That is like fucking total black thinking. The white thinking of that is that no, I'm going to, you know, give my baby to them and the baby's going to be fine and I'm going to get my baby back. So like, you know, black is like the extreme bad and white is like the extreme good. Okay. Gray is like the real in the middle. <clears throat> so let's just say that again. Okay. So Black thinking is like the extreme bad of a situation. White thinking is the extreme good of a situation. And gray thinking is like that real in the middle. And that's what is going to actually happen. So we need to get out of the black and out of the white and become gray thinking. And that is where we find our solutions, our resolutions, and we stop our, our emotional response, whether that's PTSD, anxiety, you know, depression, whatever it is. So in that instance, you know, I would then think, okay, no, the baby, I'm going to see my baby again. So what is probably going to happen is I'm going to give my baby to the nurse or to the dad. You're going to hear some crying. Okay. The baby is away from mom. So that's where the baby wants to be. You're going to hear crying. You're going to recognize if that cry needs to be stepped in on, or if, you know, it's just the baby crying. You are your mom. You are the mom. You know your child better than anybody else on this planet. You can tell what that cry means, whether you're on day one or day fucking 101. So you're going to, the baby's going to go away. You're going to hear some crying. Crying is okay. That's just your baby communicating. Then you will get your baby back. You know, the baby will come back, whether you have to ask for it back or whether the baby just comes back, but you will have your baby back. You are not, as long as you can like hear the cry, the baby is close. You know, you have to like reassure yourself of like the black thinking and realize that the white thinking is kind of unrealistic in itself as well. You know, like the baby is going to just be handed off and it's going to be all bliss and you're going to get, like that's not real. So coming into the black or into the gray, sorry, is calming the black and putting a realistic spin on the white. So, you know, I'm in the hospital and yeah, I'm terrified that, you know, because he had to go through some tests and this. And so the doctors and like there was doctors and nurses like all over him and I didn't quite know exactly what was going on. I tried my best to like understand, but I mean, I'm not a doctor. So, um, you know, there's all these people all over him and, and I, you know, had to leave the room at some points cause I just could not physically, um, 
hear like what was going on sometimes. So I'd have to leave just emotionally. I just couldn't handle it. Um, you know, so like there was a lot of times where I had to like sit myself down and be like, listen, you're okay. You're doing what's best for the baby. The baby needs these tests. The baby is in fine hands. The doctors know what they're doing. The nurses know what they're doing, you know, like, and then even like, you can hear him. So that means he's close. You're going to get him back. Like just walk back in the room, check if you need to do it. Like bring yourself back down to reality and stopping the spiral into the black. And then, you know, when I'm at home and when the dad is, um, doing stuff with him and I don't trust, I don't like, let's be real here. I don't trust his dad yet at all, um, with him. So, you know, that's a, that's a work in progress for me. But, um, then, you know, being like, you were there too at one point with your daughter, you know, this is his first baby. So, you know, it's a learning experience. You are here to like, you're only in the next room. So if you hear something going wrong, you can go in there, you know, ask questions, you know, supervise, whatever you need to do to make yourself feel better. Um, and because you're not going to be in any good situation if you're spiraling. So, I mean, that's kind of my tip there is like really start to think of yourself um, as trying to live in the gray more than the black and white. And that's where real life lies. Um, and that's really helped me for this last two weeks, because like I said, like there, I like I knew that it was going to be a struggle for me, but actually like holding my son now and, you know, he does look a little bit like my daughter in some ways and just like being I'm like a day-to-day -day mom again and feeling this like attachment to this little like helpless being who just needs me all the time. I'm very, very triggered with what happened with my daughter and I don't trust anyone with her, with him. I don't trust anyone with her too. Um, but you know, and I don't, I don't, I'm so fearful to even let anybody like touch him. And I mean, I knew that this was going to kind of be a thing. And then I knew it was going to be a thing. Like when I'm back with Quinn, um, I, I fear the day that the first time happens that like, you know, whatever the custody agreement gets worked out as, um, that it's like her dad's week or something. And I have to drop her back off with him. Like that one, I'm fucking just waiting to be like a hell day because that's literally the last time I saw my daughter was dropping her with her dad and boom, didn't see her for a year and a half. So, you know, that one's going to be a tough one, but it, you know, it's, it's these tools and this stuff that you have to kind of implement on a daily basis that like, I wouldn't be able to do if I didn't go into therapy. And that's why I'm such a like freaking hard knock, like therapy, go to freaking therapy, saved my life. Um, but yeah, I didn't quite realize how much it would affect me being a mom to my son now. Um, and I mean, maybe it's a good thing because I'm like extra freaking protective of him, which I'll be extra protective of my daughter too. And so, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with being a very protective mom, especially in fucking today's day and age. It's sick out there. So I don't know, maybe it's a good thing. I'm sure there will be situations where it's not a great thing when, you know, I can't even like leave my house because I don't trust anybody with my kids, but you know, cross that bridge when we get there. Um, but yeah, if you, and I mean, even if you haven't, like you don't have PTSD from 
like a traumatic situation like myself, even like getting postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, postpartum um, psychosis, that kind of stuff like can trigger PTSD like responses. So even if you are experiencing um, postpartum anything, know that there are very, very big similarities between postpartum like depression, anxiety, psychosis as um, PTSD. And so it's a lot of the same physical responses and mental responses. So, you know, implementing this stuff and, the, and thinking like get you back to the gray when that's reality um, is really, really helpful. And then plus just like, I think it's just a good tool as a mom because as moms, we get so overstimulated. Um, you know, it's, it's a very overstimulating job. It's the hardest fucking job on earth. Okay. Like tell me another job that you get zero time off, you get zero pay, you um, are needed 24-7, 365 days a year. You are needed physically, mentally, emotionally. You are needed on every aspect for the other person, you know, at least like, you know, customer service, you need to serve them, you know, clothes or whatever. You, you, personal trainer, I need to fix people's bodies and brains, you know, but like, as a mom, you are needed for like their shoulder to cry on, their protection, their food, their friend, their protector, their bathroom, their clothes, their everything. Being a mom is the hardest fucking job on the planet. Your body goes through a wreck, your emotions go through a wreck, your hormones go through a wreck. Like there is not a harder job on earth. So yeah, you're probably going to have some fucking like PTSD type shit. Um, especially if you are, so if you had like a traumatic birth or if you do have some trauma from like other kids like myself, or if you are dealing with like an abusive partner or you're a single mom or whatever it is, like being able to like utilize these tools, like gray thinking and get yourself from not spiraling one way or the other is such a useful tool. So I really, really hope that, you know, you can pick up some tips and tricks on there. Um, and implement them into your life. But yeah, that was, uh, it's been a pretty crazy two weeks and, um, I mean, I'm happy to be home now. It's still a little out of whack. I'm excited to like get a new rhythm. I mean, we, we're doing pretty good. He's, uh, he's a pretty good, like he's a wicked eater and a wicked sleeper so far. So it does allow me to have these breaks to work. Like I never, I took like fucking maybe five days off work and, uh, I'm just back at it. So, I mean, it does still allow me to work. It does still allow me to record this podcast, it does, all these kind of things as of now, you know? Um, but that, and that's another thing too, at least like with other jobs, you have like a Monday to Friday, nine to five, you know, kind of thing. Whereas moms, like our schedule is constantly evolving. Like it is, you know, this week we could have a good break um, from 12 to 2 and then next week we can have one break and then week after that like you don't get you don't get to sleep like nothing. It's it's the hardest job ever. And so like even going and like looking at my situation where like yeah I lost my fucking mind and I needed to like leave my daughter for I mean again it was not supposed to be this long but um that kind of shit fucking happens. Like People lose their mind in this job. Um, and, you know, it could have gone way worse. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. And don't ever feel guilty in needing to, like, take a break. Like, close yourself in the pantry. Close yourself in the bathroom. Like, 
you know, put your kid down in like a safe place and go stand in the other room for five, ten minutes. Like your kid is not going to die for crying for five extra minutes if you just need a fucking break. Like I'd rather take a break and listen to my kids scream for like five minutes than potentially like harm my child because you get so overwhelmed and like shake them or, you know, you drop them because you're just so fucking overwhelmed or, you know, worse, like you try to hurt yourself or you drink or you, you know, whatever it is. Um, and you I mean, that's, that's what happened to me. <laughs> so, um, never be ashamed of needing a moment. And also I talked about this in my, on my social media today, but like, know that you still have value outside of being a mom. Okay. Like you're still a woman. You're still a person. You're, you still have likes and dislikes and hobbies and, and passions and goals and all this stuff. You're still allowed to want your body to look a certain way, even though you're proud that it grew a human, like all these things. Okay. You are still allowed to be that. Um, and don't ever forget that. Because I feel like when we get lost in motherhood is when it can kind of get a little dangerous. So, um, anyways, <laughs> that was a, that's like a different, I don't want to spiral off too much because that's not the topic of today's podcast. But, um, yeah, it was, it's been a wacky two weeks. It's been a wacky two weeks and very, very fortunate and happy to be home. I'm very, very fortunate that my baby boy has, um, a clean bill of health. I'm very, very fortunate that, um, and grateful that in, less than a month now, um, I get to go see my daughter <laughs> and hopefully that helps alleviate some of this PTSD stuff. Um, actually being able to physically see her again and hold her and touch her and talk to her in person. Um, hopefully that helps. So very, I'm so looking forward to that. It's beginning of January and I get to go. So, um, Oh, I just can't even, oh, even just thinking about it. I got like butterflies. Um, Ah, now I'm just thinking about that. But anyway, guys, I got to go because I'm going to spiral and I'm really freaking hungry and baby boy is going to wake up here soon. So I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast, like my little update. Um, thank you so much for listening. And yeah, we're going to be back here next week. So this one's uploaded a little bit on a weird day, but it's because I missed it. And so I just wanted to update you, but um, otherwise it's always on Saturday. So have a freaking fantastic day. Don't forget, move your body, drink your water, do your positive affirmations. And I love and appreciate every single one of you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.